Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. We are in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and we're going to be moving all throughout the Word of God here this morning as we try to answer this question uh, that we've been working towards all month. Uh, now at the end of uh, month, end of stewardship month, and some of you might be breathing a sigh of relief as we are closing to the end of stewardship month. But uh, we are answering this question this morning, what is biblical tithing? What is biblical tithing? What does the Word of God say about tithing? And again, I understand that every week, and it certainly has been this way for weeks now, we're so thankful to have guests and visitors and returning guests and visitors, uh, even as we preach about these types of issues the Bible tells us to preach on the whole counsel of God, meaning this, that we go through and we preach issues no matter what they are and where they are in the Word of God. But at the same time, if you are a guest, a visitor, uh, we do want you to know that this is not an attempt for us to try to extract money from you. Uh, that is not the point of this. But for those of us who are part of Liberty Baptist Church, those of us who are members and who have uh, come together in agreement with this church uh, over the long term, we know that this is God's plan for us to be able to sustain this model of uh, the house of God here in Easton. And so I do want to preach it this morning. But I'll give you a little bit of levity, uh, hopefully a little bit to lighten the load here as we go on. There were two men who were marooned on an island. One man paced back and forth, worried and scared, while the other man sat back and was sunning himself. The first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid? We're about to die. No, the second man said. I make $100,000 a week and tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. So, you know, uh, I feel like as much as that is humorous, uh, that kind of encapsulates a little bit of the idea that people have with tithing. Now, this isn't true for me, but I feel like it may be for those who come to church here and certainly people that I've interacted with in the past. When many people think of tithing, they think of their relationship between the tither and the pastor, or the relationship between the tither and the church. And really, biblically, that's not what I see when we deal with the issue of tithing. That may be natural, but that's not what the Bible teaches. My instruction on tithing from the Word today is not so that you and I can have a better relationship. I mean, I feel like we have a pretty good relationship. Uh, it's not so that you can necessarily have a better relationship with the church. I believe the biblical issue of tithing is all about our relationship with God not our relationship with each other or to this church or even to me. No, the issue of relating our finances and everything that he has given us back to him. And that's really what the issue of tithing is all about. And so this morning, I want us to really go throughout the word of God. We're not staying anywhere very long as we look at the different issues of tithing and why it was important before the law, uh, why it was important during the law, and why it is still important today. Would you stand please for the reading of God's word? We're in 2 Corinthians chapter number nine, and we're beginning in verse number six. And I will say the principle that we're about to read here, even if you are not a tither because you are not a part of Liberty Baptist Church, I believe there's a biblical principle here that is good for everybody, no matter who you are this morning. And it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verse number six, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Listen, that's true when you're talking about agricultural issues. If you put out a little bit of seed, you get a little bit of a harvest. 
If you put out a greater seed, you get a greater harvest. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You may be seated as we ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word this morning. Heavenly Father, would just be with me. I certainly know that this topic may be one that uh, is not always the best for a Sunday morning service, and it is not my desire to make people purposely feel uncomfortable. But at the same time, I do know this is a biblical topic. It's a biblical issue, and it's one each of us must uh, address, particularly those who you have had uh, be part of this church. And so I pray that you would just allow us to consider these things and let everyone purpose in their own mind uh, between them and you uh, what they would do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, certainly, verse number uh, seven is a great place for us to start because it talks about the issue of God loving a cheerful giver. That it doesn't, uh, our giving should not be grudgingly, that it's not of necessity because God doesn't just want the wallet. I would put it this way, God wants your heart. Uh, God wants you to be joyful when it comes to this issue uh, of giving. And so even as we look at this, we realize that this is not something that should cause us great consternation this morning. This should not be an issue that causes us to really uh, get anxious or be filled with anxiety, but rather it should be one that is joyful for us as we consider that God has given us an opportunity to invest in the greatest work of all works, which is God's work here through the local church. And God can supply our needs. And you need to start with that understanding that God is the one who will supply all of your needs. God is able, verse 8, to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In my Bible, in verse number 8, I have circled all grace, and then all sufficiency, and then all things. God can take care of you in all areas of your life. I'll say that again to make sure everyone understands God can take care of you in all areas of your life. He has all grace, he has all sufficiency, and he's able to help you to abound in all things in every good work. But we ask ourselves this issue, this question this morning, even though this might be uncomfortable, confusing, or difficult for some, we see here it doesn't have to be. It can be an issue that can bring great joy to the heart of the believer. It can be one that gives us a great excitement to know that God has allowed us to be part of his great plan for the church in this New Testament age that we lived in and that the issue of tithing is one where it was pre-law that is tithing was practiced before the law was ever given to Moses it was ratified in the law of Moses and I believe it's still an active force today for believers one commentary that I read stated it this way while the tithe became codified in the old Mosaic covenant it can't simply be dismissed as part of the old covenant that's been fulfilled in Christ and no longer applies to New Testament believers. Now, what does that word tithe even mean? If you read it, you might even look and say, what's the tithy? Uh, maybe that's what you see uh, there on the envelope. Well, what's the tithy? I don't know that I understand uh, what that is. But really, that is one of the simplest things for us to even understand this morning because the word tithe literally means a tenth. In fact, if you were to look at any lexicon, if you were to look into any dictionary, uh, if you go to etymology of the word and what it means in the Old English and even beyond that, the tithe literally means the tenth. And that really helps us to understand what the issue is that we're talking about, this tenth part that is here. And God makes that simple and clear for us to understand. So with that understanding to start us, we need to kind of take a little bit of a journey down the biblical road 
of tithing and what it is and what it means to us today. So would you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 14? And we're not going to be able to stay in any one of these places for very long, but I do want to just give you a biblical foundation this morning for what we see when it comes to the issue of tithing. Genesis chapter number 14, and look at verse number 13. This, issue, this uh, text issues, or deals with the issues of Abraham and Lot. Of course, you'll remember that Abraham and Lot went separate ways when they got to the promised land. Uh, there is Lot who goes towards the issue, the uh, cities uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah while uh, Abraham decides to go in the different direction, not wanting to go uh, towards those accursed cities. It ends up that Lot, now becoming absorbed into that city, also gets held captive as Sodom and Gomorrah and some other towns are taken uh, captive by some enemies, uh, including one named Kitalaimer. Look at verse number 13, and we'll start reading from there. It says, And there came one that had escaped and said, told Abram, that Hebrew, that he dwell in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol and the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother, this is Lot, being taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pers pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the woman also, and the people. You'll see here that Abraham and his trained army that he had coming from his home was able to rescue Lot and his family and including all those of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. And it says in verse 17, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kitalaimer and of the kings that were with him and the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, do you remember Brother Chuck just reading about Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 7 just a few moments ago? Well, here's this man, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Do you see that there in verse number 20? And he gave him tithes of all. Now, this may seem like a very strange thing that Abraham has just uh, been given this increase of goods that he's won in battle. And then he finds this priest named Melchizedek and he gives Melchizedek these tithes of that which he has received. He gives a tenth portion of that which was his increase and gives him to Melchizedek. And while certainly that might sound strange to us, we realize from reading Hebrews chapter 7 just a few moments ago that Melchizedek was none other, I believe, than Jesus Christ, an Old Testament appearing of Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know that? Because he just read in Hebrews 1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom gave Abraham also a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation the king of righteousness, after that the king of Salem, which is also the king of peace. Listen to this, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Jesus Christ made this Old Testament appearance here as the 
I believe the priest of Melchizedek, the king of Salem, he comes and uh, here Abraham, having some form of understanding that this is God, realizes that he wants to give tithes to the Lord. And so that's what we see, that he gives the tenth of that which was an increase to him, and he gives it at that time. Now listen, uh, Abraham, people say, well, Abraham wasn't given any kind of law or any kind of commandments from God. But that's simply not the case. We, we do see the law of Moses will come later. But Genesis 26 verse 5 says this, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice. This is God saying this. Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God had obviously spoken to Abraham and there had been some understanding, although we don't have those laws and uh, commandments all written for us here in the book of Genesis, it's obvious that as God is inspiring Moses to write the books of Moses, which includes the book of Genesis, that he's trying to lay a biblical foundation for the tithe, which will later be part of the law. But it wasn't just Abraham who was a tither, if you will. Uh, it would also have been Jacob as well. Turn to Genesis chapter number 28. Genesis chapter number 28. Look at verse number 22. Genesis chapter 28 and then verse number 22. So you start in verse number 20. It says, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. That word tenth, uh, still meaning a tithe. And so, well, what do we see? We saw Abraham who gave of tithes to the king of Melchizedek. But we also see Jacob here, the grandson of Abraham, who also makes this vow of giving tithes. You say, Pastor, uh, what would have precipitated him doing this? Well, do you remember what we would call Jacob's ladder, the ladder that was shown to Jacob and Bethel where the angels were ascending and descending? He said, surely this must be the house of God. This was something that had a great effect on him. Certainly, it didn't have enough effect on him uh, to change his uh, conniving ways. Uh, but certainly, it was something that God was using as a way marker in his life to continually draw him closer to you. In fact, later on, he'll go back to Bethel and he'll call it El Bethel because he calls it the God of the house of God, recognizing this isn't just the house of God, but now the house of God's God is my God. And so God's just bringing him along, but he says very early on in his life, God, you've done something great for me. You kept me alive uh, in the face of Esau who wants to kill me. Well, because it was his own fault, but still, uh, he says, you've kept me alive. You've shown me this great mercy and this great grace by opening up the heavens to show me that I'll be protected. And so I want you to know that out of this great love and out of this great uh, desire to be able to give back to you, I'm going to give a tenth of all. Now, we don't have all the details of how he did that, when he did that, I'll be frank with you. I don't see that here in our text, exactly how that happened. Or, or Abraham, how he continued to give tithes. I don't have that, but I do see this. We see a biblical pattern. And there's a reason why here, because I believe that God wants us to see before the law of Moses was ever given, there were those who believed in God who realized that everything belongs to God and they wanted to give back of that uh, which they were given. And that's what I see here in Genesis chapter number 28. These patriarchs established that the tithe was given before the law 
And really, we could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. We don't have time. But we saw that Cain and Abel gave offerings to the Lord, didn't they? And that Cain gave an offering uh, that was not pleasing to the Lord. But Abel uh, gave one that was pleasing. One was of the blood and it was pleasing to God. Uh, one was of fruits and vegetables and was not pleasing to God. But the issues of offerings and tithes, well, they had been given really since the beginning. But that's before the law. But we also see that the tithe was given during the law as well to the people of Israel. So go to Numbers chapter number 18. Numbers chapter 18. I know we're moving so quickly this morning, but I, instead of breaking this up into several messages, I really want to, everyone who is here to see it together in one message. So Numbers chapter 18, beginning in verse number 20. Now there were several different tithes that were given in the law. There were three distinct tithes uh, that were given. Uh, we're not going to get into all those here this morning, that some were done annually. There's one that was done every three years uh, that was done particularly for the poor and for the Levite that was within your town. Uh, but we're looking at this here in Numbers chapter 18, and we're seeing that the tithe particularly was given to make sure that the house of God was taken care of for those who were sacrificing and those who were worshiping and those who were using and utilizing the house of God as God had commanded that there would be care for God's house. And so that's here in Numbers chapter number 18. Look at verse number 20. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout all your generations, that among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance." And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, uh, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then ye shall offer up an heave offering of it unto the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. And this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you, as though it were the corn and the threshing floor and the fullness of the winepress. Thus ye shall offer and heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes, which ye receive of the children of Israel. And he shall give thereof the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts ye shall offer every heave offering of the Lord. And of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof of it. And that phrase, the best thereof, is in verse number 30 as well. See, God set up that the tithe particularly was going to be used for the establishment of worship in the land of Israel and also to care for the Levites who were the ones who, well, led the worship in the land of Israel as well. And what I find interesting in the second part from verse number 25 on was that God told the Levites, he says, as you receive the tithe from the people of Israel, make sure that you tithe off of that which you receive. Maybe you would say, Pastor, this must be uncomfortable for you to be able to preach this kind of message because we're all supposed to tithe, but because you're the pastor, you don't tithe, right? Doesn't work like that. As a pastor, I should be the one who is leading as best as I can in giving. That, that's something that we pray about and ask the Lord to be able to help us to be able to do and not just to give, but to give over and above that which is the tithe in our life because we feel like God is 
supplied for us in such a great way. And so God says to the Israelites, he says, you tithe. And then he looks at the Levites, he says, as you receive the tithe, you tithe and make sure you give the best. Now, we understand that for them, there would be uh, uh, some issues there as far as currency and such, where sometimes their tithe was to give a goat. And sometimes of their tithe was to give of that which was the increase of their fields. Uh, that would be what their tithe would be sometimes. But, you know, I don't have any goats at home. I live in an apartment. Uh, and I don't have any kind of fields. Uh, the fields were, that I have, are well, they belong to someone else in the farm that's behind our apartments. I don't have any of that. But God has given me increase. And so of the first fruits of the increase, I give back to the Lord uh, in these areas. And God has called all of us to. And it was here in the law. In fact, there were some who would compute that if you were to take all the tithes that the Israelites were to give on the annual basis, but then on the basis of the increase of their fields, but then also uh, on the three-year period, that they could have given somewhere of over 20% of what they actually gave uh, back to the Lord. And they were to give of the first fruits of the increase, meaning this, that they were to give of the best and they were to give to God first. And I think that's important. They were to give the best and give God the first. And I will say this this morning as well for our family. We've always felt that it's important that when we tithe, we tithe off of the gross uh, that we receive and not the net of what we uh, receive. You say, well, pastor, I don't receive all of the gross. I only receive the net. Uh, well, I will say this. I want my giving to go to God uh, first before the government. And so for us, and this is something that we've come to, uh, in our lives, this is something between you and the Lord. Uh, we want to give God of the best of what we have, not what's left over after the government gets their say. Second Chronicles 31.5 says this, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of the corn, the wine, the oil, and the honey, and of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things they brought abundantly. Proverbs 3, verse 9. It's funny, we talk about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 quite a bit. But verse number nine says this, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Jeremiah two, verse three, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, uh, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Uh, Israel uh, was the tithe, if you will, a smaller part of the greater world. And God said this, uh, Israel, as you are the tithe, in a sense, you are to tithe in the same way. So that was during the law. And I think no one has an argument about whether tithing was part of the law. I think everyone, no matter what theological position you might come from, would say, yes, I mean, I see tithing as part of the law. But here's a question. Do we live under the law today? Well, we know that the law itself uh, was done away with by Jesus Christ in the sense that the veil was rent in two, and that we can come boldly before the throne of grace today. And aren't you glad that you don't have to come to me to hear from God? Aren't you glad that you don't have to go to a priest to hear from God. No, uh, that you can go directly to God himself and that when you sin, that you don't have to come to me and bring an offering and then I will offer it before the Lord. Then uh, I will help you to be able to be right before God. That no, you can go right before God right now and ask Lord, right where you're sitting right now and ask, Lord, forgive me because uh, I, I'm just wishing he'd be done. And maybe that's what you're thinking right now. God will forgive you if that's what you're thinking about, all right? Uh, but whatever it is, you can go before the Lord and you can ask him to forgive you and, and he will. That's a blessing. But what did Jesus say about the tithe? You know, it's interesting that Jesus never condemned the tithe. He condemned the hearts of the people who would give the tithe. Jesus never condemned the tithe. He would condemn the wrong hearts of the people who would give the tithe. For instance, Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law and judgment and mercy and faith. These ought ye have done 
and not to leave the other undone. What is Jesus saying to the Pharisees? I don't want your money. I don't want your herbs. I don't want your spices. What I really want is your heart. He says, sure, you can be obedient in giving and that's good. But what I really want is the heart behind the giving to be right. Listen, just giving 10% doesn't make you square with God. Giving 20% doesn't make you square with God. Uh, giving 50% doesn't make you square with God. Be a J.C. Penny and give 90%. It doesn't make you square with God. It's about the heart. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 23 and 24, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and then offer thy gift. He says it's the harmony between the family, the harmony between the brethren is more important than the offering. But Jesus himself never uh, condemned the offering uh, itself. He never condemned the tithe or he, he never said, I'm doing away with the tithe. And certainly uh, you would say, well, didn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, so it has been said, uh, but I say unto you. So it has been said, but I say unto you. Well, sure, he did say that. But every time he said that, he was saying, here's what the law says. But I want you to go above and beyond that which was I've said. Above and beyond that which I've said. Yo, you say that you uh, haven't murdered. That's great. Have you hated in your heart? You say that you haven't committed adultery. Do you, have you lusted in your heart? Uh, uh, you, you pray these long prayers, Pharisees, but I know your heart is far from me. And so the issue is not Jesus saying the tithe is no longer important because the need is still there. The issue is this, uh, when we give of the tithe, what's the heart that we give in this New Testament era that we live in? What's the heart that's behind it? And it's not necessarily uh, that we uh, give just by the rote of the law. Well, I have to give. Listen, I'm not to the point where I have to give. Do you realize I'm at the point where I get to give? I get to give. And I get to be part of God's plan. And the beauty of 10% is this, is that whether you have a million dollars or one dollar, 10% still 10%. And that God has left you with that other portion. But I would say this, as I give today, I give not by law, but I give by grace. In fact, sometimes you'll hear people say this, Pastor, I, I just, I, I don't tithe, I, I, I do grace giving. And I would say to that, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where we started and see a pattern for grace giving. But here's what I found. When it comes to the grace of God, it always comes in abundance. It always comes in abundance. If I'm to give by grace, it's not going to be just the stingy part of the law. It's actually going to be over and above. You know why I give to missions? It's grace giving. You know why I give to special offerings? It's grace giving. You know why when an evangelist comes and we want to be a blessing to him, why I give? It's grace giving. Do you know why when an evangelist comes and there's a love offering, I just don't take $50 out of my tithe and put it in the love offering? The reason why is because I want to give by grace. I want to give over and above what I've given. I'm not just reallocating the funds. I want to give more. I want to give above. I want to be part of it because I want God to bless. Say, Pastor, I'm not comfortable with this. In fact, I love coming to church, but today, I'm not loving it so much. Say, Pastor, why would you say that? Because I'm looking at some of you right now, quite honestly. I know it's uncomfortable. But a couple things about that. God didn't call me here to preach to you what you make, what you want to have comfortable in your life. 
If, if a church ran me out because I preached the word of God, then I'd say, so be it. No, no one's threatening to run me out. I'm not trying to make myself a martyr. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I'm not. But what I'm saying is, is that when I get in the Bible during the week, and even as I plan messages out, for instance, months out at times, I'm not saying, you know, what do the people really want to hear? You don't want to go to a church where the pastor preaches and says, what do people want to know? Because that's not preaching. That's an echo chamber. And Jesus came to abolish that kind of preaching and teaching. That's what the Pharisees did. And it was all about them. So, so I can't take that into consideration. But the second part of this is this, is that the issue of tithing is not one that should cause us great anxiety. It's one that should cause us great joy. And here's why. Malachi chapter 3, this is where we're going to end. And I understand, please turn to Malachi chapter 3. I know that we've gone through this very quickly, and I can't, I can't discuss all the facets of what tithing is in a short period of time like this, but I do feel like it's important for us to see this today. And so my, my, my point in preaching this is not to try to make anyone feel uncomfortable in and of itself. That's not my desire. Again, if you are visiting here, my desire is not to try to extract funds from you. That's not why I'm preaching. I'm preaching so that those who have benefited from Liberty Baptist Church understand that what God has ordained to move Liberty Baptist forward is for those who have benefited from this church to be able to pour back in in tithes and offerings unto the Lord. And when I give, I don't take all that I have down to the 10%. And if it uh, you know, goes down to 46 cents, make sure that I write the check with 46 cents at the end because that's 10%. You know, I kind of just make sure that I just give as it's God's blessed me. But I look at Malachi chapter three and I'm gonna read you some verses that are gonna be pretty harsh. But I'm also gonna read you some words that are gonna give even greater joy if you'll open your heart. They're gonna seem harsh, but they'll bring great joy. Look at Malachi chapter three, look at verse number eight. Will a man rob God? Well, who would wanna rob God? That doesn't sound like a great thing. Yeah, ye have robbed me. But ye say, this is the Israelites, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. God says, why are you holding on to that which belongs to me? Can I tell you, there have been some times we've been pretty low as a family pretty low. I've told you testimonies before about us as a family not getting paid when we were supposed to get paid when we were in Tampa. And there were times we didn't have a whole lot. In fact, the other side of that is there were times we didn't just have a whole lot, but then we added debt to try to stay alive. Which, and I was working extra jobs. I've told you before I worked overnight uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, not, not playing for them, but, you know, cleaning up after them. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, they just need someone to train during the night, you know, those kind of things. I can't ice skate because I live in Florida, but that's all right. Um, no, I, work afterwards, we were accruing debt. Listen, I, I'll just be flat honest with you. We were going to payday loan stores, writing checks, hoping to get the check, you know, the cash up front and then getting the money and, you know, the check getting cashed a couple weeks with a fee. Like that's where we were. I'm not suggesting anyone do that. I'm saying that's, that's where we were. I'm not even saying it was a wise thing to do. But here's what I understood during that time. I can't stop tithing. You say, pastor, what are you like an addict or something? 
No, I just know that my situation wasn't going to get better by robbing God. I had to keep giving to him. You say, Pastor, you just don't know when to quit. I said, that wasn't the issue. I just wanted to be obedient. And it got bad for a while. And we were in debt. And I don't want to, comparing ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. If I gave you the number, some of you might go, <gasps> some of you go, oh, is that it? So I'm not going to tell you what the number is. Some of you say, oh, is that it? That is, that's it. But listen, we were in our mid-20s. Didn't know anything about life. It was bad. But I knew enough to know I got to give. It was hard. There was a couple weeks I didn't. And I just got paid. And the Lord burdened my heart during the week that I had to make it up the next week. Because I knew I can't do this. Do I trust him or not? Do I trust him or not? To take care of my need. And so when you read that first verse, it's harsh. And I'll be honest with you, if you're not tithing, that's a sucker punch of the gut. If you're supposed to be, if God's, if God's put you part uh, of, of the group and, and, and that, that seems to be a sucker punch. And it says in verse number nine, you're cursed with the cursed for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Do you know when you withhold that, it affects others? It affects the group at Liberty. It affects our furtherance, the ability to move forward. Say, Pastor, I'm so glad I came to Liberty Baptist Church to get encouraged today. Well, verse number 10 is for you. Because here's the thing. If you have a sinking feeling in your gut right now and you say, Pastor, this is crazy. Pastor, you're out of your mind. Pastor, you've overstepped your authority. Pastor, you've gone too far uh, this time. Pastor, it just doesn't. Uh, you don't know my situation. You don't understand uh, how, how I have had things happen to me. And you don't know what people have done to me. And you don't understand. And the answer is, I don't. But God does. I don't know your situation. But God does. And he's given us his word to guide us and encourage us. And listen, either it guides us in all things or it doesn't. It either guides us in the things we want it to or in all things. And this is in all things. Look at verse 10. I mean, you want to get some encouragement. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in mine house. That's why we do it. And I'm not talking about the taco meat we're having after church. I mean, you talk about that there may be stuff that's here. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You want some encouragement. God says this, prove me. Prove me. Trust me. Trust me. Let me ask you, if, if a rich businessman came up to you and you knew he, owned, he had millions of dollars, he says, look, you tithe. And if you ever, ever have a shortfall, I'll cover you. You'd probably do it because you'd know, man, he's going to cover me. Can I tell you someone more than a rich businessman has come to you and says, I'm going to cover you. It's God. It's God. Prove me. Prove me. Now listen, those blessings aren't always financial. This isn't health and wealth. This isn't, hey, sow a little seed and all of a sudden you're going to be a millionaire driving a Lexus and all that. Have you seen our van? That's not what I'm saying. But God's blessings, both material and spiritual, have been so abundant. There are times I need, I almost feel like he's got to 
turn off the spigot. I'm going to give you the end of the testimony. We were in bad shape, awful shape. But we committed ourselves to give to the Lord. God provided in some pretty amazing ways to sustain us, just to get us through. Diane started getting babysitting jobs that helped us get through. I got the job at the forum and, and, and became a supervisor pretty quickly while I was there, picking up trash, supervising people picking up trash. Not supervising the players, just to make sure you understood that. Um, there was a time we couldn't pay our rent. And literally within a few days, people just started giving us money. People that didn't know we needed it. And we had enough for rent. There were times we were late on our rent. But God provided even by making sure our house was stable. By the time we got to Boston, God had provided in such a way that not only were we able to pay off our debts, all those things we incurred in Florida, the church that we were at in Florida still owed us about $6,000. And when you consider my annual salary was $20,000, that's quite a bit. We were able to write a note of forgiveness to the church and say, you don't owe us anymore. We don't need it. Because God blessed us. And you know what's amazing? Is there are men and women that if I called on them right now would stand up and would say, Pastor, that's our story too. That's our story too. Some of you have been in church a long time and you say, that's, that's what God's done for us. And it's not always financial. Again, I want to be careful. We're not talking about that health and wealth crowd because you can give and the car still breaks down. You can give and you might get sick, but God will still bless. Prove me, prove me. If you trust him enough with your salvation, which you can't see, can't you trust him enough with your wallet? And maybe the problem is it's because we can see it and it's not faith. Allow it to be faith. Trust God, and He'll supply all your needs. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.